your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, April 13th, 2021. Your boy Q here, man. I'll tell you, had a busy, busy, busy Monday. Sure did. Uh, hopefully everybody's enjoying what they've been hearing on the podcast. Can't wait to get into my whole Monday, but uh, very excited about today's show as well. Got a lot to bring to the table, and I'll let you know right now, man, on Monday, I had so much going on, and it was great. It's great to be busy. You know how I get down. Anyone who's been listening to the show for a long time knows that, you know, if I'm not working, someone else is. So that's just how I get down. But I'll tell you, man, it started uh, Monday afternoon. I I did a little show, probably about a 30-minute show, talking Raiders and draft with uh, Jake Circus from the Right Way Sports Network. Uh, Then I hopped on after my show on Fox Sports Central Texas. I hopped on uh, Vegas Nation podcast with Heidi Fang, the takeaway show. And I think that's going to be coming out either Wednesday or Thursday. Then, believe it or not, totally accidentally, I mean, this was not something that was expected to happen at all, but I ended up having a a real impromptu conversation with former Raiders punter Marquette King. It was crazy. It was really crazy. I don't know if anyone who's on Twitter has been noticing or follows him on Twitter. He's been putting out a lot of videos lately of him punting, him receiving punts, him, you know, just going out there doing football activities and continue to ask the question, NFL, I just need answers. Why, you know, why am I not in the league? I'm talented. I can do this. I mean, he even did a video where he punted the ball and it landed on top of the light pole, like it hit the top of the light pole. So, I just reached out to him. Uh, He happens to follow me on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. So I just sent him a direct message, just kind of shooting my shot. You know what I always say, you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. So I said, hey, man, I've seen you put out these videos. I would love to catch up with you and see, you know, what's going on and, and, you know, kind of get your side of the story of everything. And no joke, the minute I hung up with Heidi Fang from the, the Vegas Nation podcast, all of a sudden he hit me back. He's like, hey, what's your cell number? So I gave him my cell. And he literally called me. I had no time to prepare for an interview or anything. It was just one of those, boom, I'm going to call you right now. We're going to talk. So we just had a genuine, like, homeboy to homeboy conversation. Like, you're sitting at the sports bar or whatever, about 25 good minutes uh, that we talked. So I, I, I could have put it on the show today, but I wanted to be able to, you know, pump it up and promote it and say, hey, this interview is coming. And so I thought, I better just, I better hold on to it. I, I'm so excited about it that I wanted to put it on today's show, but I didn't think it would do it justice. I want to make sure everyone knows that this interview with Marquette King is coming. And it's, like I said, about 25 good minutes. So what I decided to do after I hung up with him, I did a victory lap around the house. I was pumping my fist. I was yelling and screaming and everything. Everybody in the house is looking at me like my crazy dude. And that's just how I get those kind of things. They drive me, they get me going. So uh, I'm going to do that. You're going to hear that conversation on Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. We're going to end the week really strong with a conversation with former Raider punter Marquette King. That'll be on this show on Friday. So make sure you tune into that. So that's just a little bit of what I had going on on Monday today. I'll be hopping on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, I think I'll probably be, you'll probably hear that at 2.15 Pacific Standard Time. And then I'll also be hopping on with Vinny Bonsignor from Inside the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'll be doing that at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So Steve Cofield will be a, a recorded interview that I do uh, this morning, and then uh, he'll play it back at around 2.15 uh, like he's been doing, and then inside the huddle, I'll be on live at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So your boy's working. Your boy's grinding. That is for sure. 
Speaking of working and grinding, coming up on today's show, segment number three, calls and texts, straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. And I got a ton of them. I literally could do a whole show just of calls and texts, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just save it for segment number three. That's coming up on today's show. Segment number two, I want to go into a little bit more detail on the Carl Joseph signing and what that means. I had a lot of people hit me up, uh, not confused, but had their own feelings on it on Monday uh, after I talked about it on Monday's show. And so I just want to kind of go into more depth, more uh, deeper conversation about it, because I think some people uh, didn't get me right or, or might have misunderstood what I was saying about me being happy about the signing, but knowing that it doesn't cure the issues that the Raiders have at safety. So we'll get into that conversation in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day, as I always do. Just got a couple little sound bites that I really want you to hear in this segment on today's, uh, you know, in segment number one of the news and notes. And I think it's some really good stuff, all stuff that has to do with the draft and then also with Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. So the first one on, on my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas, we're doing a inside the camp, spring camp of uh, Big 12 football teams. And so on Monday, talked to Scott Wright from the Oklahoman. He covers the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And then also we talked to Jeremy Clark, who uh, he covers uh, TCU from hornfrogblitz.com. He covers TCU. So the first soundbite I want you to hear, I asked a question to Scott Wright from the Oklahoman about offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. What a team is getting in him. What an NFL team is getting in him because I know a lot of Raider Nation are excited about him and the possibility of him being a Raider. Now, they have Chuba Hubbard, the running back. He's going to be in the NFL draft. Tyler Wallace, the wide receiver, he's going to be in the NFL draft as well. But I think the more pressing guy is offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins, who might end up being even a first-round guy. So I asked Scott right straight up, what is the NFL team getting in Jenkins? Well, the uh, the most important thing that they're getting is uh, is – uh, this new attitude uh, of toughness that was something that was lacking in his game early on. He was he was viewed, you know, he came in at six six three twenty and very athletic. Everybody knew what he could do physically, but but there was a toughness that was lacking in his game. And when uh, you know when he started hearing that from uh, from from people that mattered to to him, like his strength coaches and and his offensive line coach. And people telling him, you know, if you if you can add this toughness, this physicality to your game, you can be a first round draft pick. It really clicked with him, and he took that uh, took that to heart and, and and took that part of his game to another level in his senior season. So, uh, getting a, a very athletic player, uh, a guy that's uh, most most comfortable on the on the right side, but he can play left tackle if needed, uh, can move inside if needed, uh, big and physical. And uh, and that toughness is the thing that really stood out in his uh, in his game from 2020. So there it is. That's Scott Wright right there talking about offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. What an NFL team, potentially the Raiders, could be getting in Jenkins. And the thing about it is he wasn't always as tough as he is now. And that's a thing that a lot of Raider Nation has pointed out to me. Like, Q, this guy is as tough as nails, man. He'll play through the whistle. He's got that nasty streak. Well, he had to learn that. He That wasn't that didn't come natural. You know, they actually had to coach him up, which is great because that shows that he's coachable. But uh, it's something that, you know, he hasn't always had. And so he had to learn that. So the good thing is that he learned it on the collegiate level. And now I can translate that into the NFL because he's going to need that toughness. Now, he is a natural right tackle. That is something that the Raiders need. I wouldn't pick him at 17. Uh, you know who I picked. I picked Christian Derrissaw. But 
if the Raiders were to go maybe a safety at that position or a linebacker at that position or anyone else at that position, and then maybe later on you want to address the tackle position, I could see Tevin Jenkins being that guy. Maybe if you go in and he slips into the second round, that would be a guy that they decide to go get. So it's, it's definitely a possibility, and it sounds like you're getting a heck of a player. He just had to learn how to be tough, and he did that on the collegiate level instead of having to try to learn it on the, on the NFL level, which is a good thing. Again, running back Chuba Hubbard and wide receiver Tylen Wallace will also be a couple Oklahoma State Cowboys in the draft, but I kind of think that you already know who they're going to be, you know, a wide receiver and a running back. They kind of, it kind of speaks for themselves. Uh, and then the next one I want you to hear is uh, Jeremy Clark from hornfrogblitz.com talking about safeties, Trayvon Merrick and Ardarius Washington. What are NFL teams getting from them? Man, you know, two really good players. Trey is, if you, if you spend five minutes talking to Trey, you can't help but root for the guy. I mean, he is one of the best kids. I've been doing this for 16 years. Um, one of the one of the best kids I've ever met. He's just so humble about his abilities. I'm very grateful for uh, you know what TCU has done for him and, and developed him. He's extremely smart. I mean, you talk about a smart player. Any any time a freshman can get in there on defense at safety for Gary Patterson, you know, smart. And that's what that's that's a guy that was able to do that. Um, they recruited him out of Smithson Valley. He played mostly corner and, and was kind of a utility back for them. They saw the athleticism and it transitioned to him playing safety. He's a big kid. Obviously, he uh, he was battling a, a back issue during the pro day, so he didn't run as fast as he as he wanted to, but he still ran around a four or five, and uh, that's that's pretty good for him. And, and I think he's even faster than what that time indicated. But but just because he's so smart, he's got great uh, great ball awareness. And he's just going to make a ton of plays wherever he goes. Ardarius, I mean, you talk about a guy that plays way above his size. He is another kid that's very smart, um, overcomes the lack of size with with his uh, uh, ball awareness. I mean, the, you talk about a guy that just has a nose for the fo- football, it's him. He, he's usually not in the wrong place. He's extremely smart and you could tell he was going to be a great player as soon as he hit the field as a retro freshman because he comes in there and everyone's kind of like, why wasn't this kid playing before? Because he just kept making play after play after play. And it's great for him because he's he's proved a lot of doubters wrong. Not a lot of people go to the NFL that are around 5'8", 180 pounds, especially at safety. But um, I think he'll he'll find a role somewhere, whether it's being special teams or whether in nickel situations. But the fact we're even talking about a kid that that's, that is his size – and having a chance not we're not talking about a kid that's going to be a seventh round or maybe a free agent there's right. some there's some drafts out there that feel like he's a mid mid uh, round guy so props to him for going out there and making plays and it's just another feather in the cap for uh, Gary Patterson and his staff being able to develop those players and get them to the next level. So right there, Jeremy Clark talking about both safeties from uh, from TCU, Trayvon Merrick and Ardarius Washington. And of course, Merrick is the one that all of Raider Nation is paying attention to. He's a guy that's been mocked to the Raiders at 17. He's been a guy that a lot of people say, hey, you know, we'll trade back and go get him. Uh, that was a possibility. That was something that was on my mind when I was doing the locked on uh, NFL draft, uh, you know, the little mock draft that I did where I ultimately ended up taking Christian Darius at 17. Uh, but he's a playmaker. 
playmaker. He's a guy who's a playmaker. He's a leader. Uh, you know, he's humble, so he's not going to be one of those braggadocious type dudes, but he's going to be out there just making plays, understanding his role and making plays. Got on the field early at TCU, so you would have to think that he's got the ability, uh, especially upstairs, to be able to figure out what a, a, a defensive coordinator is asking him to do. So you know what? That could be a strong possibility for the Raiders, whether it's at 17 or if they trade back a little bit. Trayvon Merrick really could be in the cards. And then Ardarius Washington won't be a first-round guy, but he could be a third or fourth-round guy. He's a little undersized, kind of uh, reminds me of like the Honey Badger type size, but he can make plays as well. And TCU, the one thing I know about them, TCU has some defensive playmakers that are in the league right now uh, still making plays. So TCU definitely uh, puts out some guys uh, on the defensive side of things that are really, really good and, and our NFL players. Gary Patterson's a heck of a coach. So you never know, man. Merrick, Washington could be two dudes that you end up seeing lining up in the silver and black after April 29th or after after the draft is all said and done. Uh, they could be rocking the silver and black. But I thought I would give you those little sound bites and just let you know what uh, the guys who cover these guys on the regular are saying about them. Now, I had a soundbite on defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, but I'll save it for tomorrow's show. I'm already like 12 minutes in, so uh, I, I think I gave a super long intro, so <laughs> that's okay. I could bring it on tomorrow's show. It's not going to be dated or anything. It's fine. Uh, so that'll, that'll come up on tomorrow's show. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Uh, coming up in segment number two, I want to add my thoughts on the Carl Joseph signing, what I mean by that, what I, what I mean by when I say that I even like the signing and, you know, what kind of role he should be playing on the Raiders in 2021 or he could be potentially playing on the Raiders in 2021. That's all coming up next. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. Uh, they are their online sportsbook experts for any kind of game. I'm talking baseball. I'm talking hockey, uh, UFC, boxing. I mean, I know that college basketball is over. The NBA is still going strong. There's so many different sporting events that you could be a part of. BetOnline.ag could help you get there. Open up a free account today. Use the promo code Locked On, and they're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So you put a couple hundred in, and you use the promo code Locked On, you'll get an extra hundred on top of that. Whatever you put in, you'll get 50% of that as a welcome bonus just by using the promo code Locked On. If you're on social media, check them out at BetOnline underscore AG uh, and take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Again, BetOnline.ag. Check them out. They're your online sportsbook experts. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, on this April 13, 2021, Tuesday, your boy Q want to talk about Carl Joseph, the signing of Carl Joseph, the former first-round pick of the Raiders back in 2016. I uh, wanted to talk about him, what that means to the team, what that means for the roster, what that means for the defense and the safety position. And I said on Monday's show that I liked the signing. I thought he provided depth. I thought he was a guy that could push Jonathan Abram. I thought he was a guy that if Jonathan Abram wasn't doing what he's supposed to do, could come in and they could pull Abram off the field and say, hey, you know what? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So, Joseph, you're in. Let's get things right. And, you know, what made me believe that is in Carl Joseph's presser, and I played it on Monday as well, 
he was asked what his role was going to be for the team on the team. And he said, you know, roles have changed. You know, roles don't remain the same. When he was drafted in 2016, he was a first round pick and he was a guy coming off a torn ACL. And that was probably a little rich. They probably shouldn't have drafted him at that time, but they felt like they were going to go get their, their, uh, their guy, their safety. That was going to be a thumper. They gave him the number 42 uh, because of Ronnie Lott. They thought he was going to be very Ronnie Lott like, and you know, the thing about it is, man, the Raiders have been giving numbers to guys and with the expectations expectations of them being great like they gave Jonathan Abram 24 for C. Wood then they gave Carl Joseph 42 for Ronnie Lott both of those players are great players now obviously Ronnie Lott he made his hay with the with the 49ers I mean he was good with the Raiders but he was the dude with uh, with the 49ers but still you know when you see that number 42 you know what that means that's that's Ronnie Lott when you see 24 you know that that's C. Wood those are great players. Those are guys with gold jackets, and you're immediately giving them to some some young bucks that you're expecting to go ahead and fill that role. And I know Jonathan Abram talks really loud, and you know he's he's got the strut and he's got all the style and wants to be the dude, you know, and he has the confidence to be the dude. He's just not there yet, you know. Like I explained in Monday's show, like this upcoming year for Jonathan Abram is going to be huge, even though it's really going to be technically only his second full season on the field if he's on the field for a full 16. So we'll see. But either way, I mean it's technically on his contract it's his third year but really we're looking at him as far as experience only a second year guy so he needs a veteran he needs a veteran in front of him he needs a veteran around him or behind him he needs a veteran that can kind of show him the ropes and say hey hey young fella this is what you're supposed to be doing this is how you you know you stay on the field this is how you make plays in the NFL and so I'm, I applaud the signing of Carl Joseph remember Raider Nation it's only April Right now, we, and when I say we, I'm talking about us as fans, we're only looking at the team as a 90-man roster. They have to break this thing down to 53 men. That's, that's not for right now. For right now, all you're worried about is a 90-man roster. So Carl Joseph, and I don't know the numbers or the details on his contract. I can't imagine it's more than a one-year deal, and it's probably not a large amount of money either. But that's neither here nor there. It's still the fact that he's with the Raiders. He's back with the silver and black. Uh, as he said in the presser, he was excited to be back and kind of finish what he started and added to the roster and, and help the team get over the hump. And so a lot of people hit me up, and I'm not you know singling out anybody in particular. I get it, man. I appreciate feedback all the time. I tell you, all feedback is good. Even if you don't agree with me or if you think I'm stupid, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But a lot of people hit me up and was like, Q, he was terrible when he was with the Raiders. What makes you think he's going to be good now? And I'll tell you, I don't think Carl Joseph was terrible all the time with the Raiders. I think he had moments where he wasn't very good. I think he had moments where he was out of place. But I also think he had moments where he looked like looked like a good player, you know, and he was making plays and he was helping the Raiders try to win games. And, you know, I don't think that the Raiders were 100% sold on him leaving last season anyway. I think that they said, hey, we're going to let you go ahead and test the free agent water. Uh, and then he went out and signed a deal with the Browns, you know, and I, I think that he realized that, the Raiders weren't in any hurry to go sign him. But I think that right now, for what it is in 2021, and it being only April, and it's not even the draft yet, it's a really good sign. And look, the Raiders might go into the draft, and they might get a couple dudes and be like, hey, man, we really don't even need Carl Joseph. And then, boom, he's gone. But right now, to get a guy that you feel like can at least sit behind Jonathan Abram and give him a little bit of fire behind him and maybe push him and provide a little bit of competition in training camp for him, that's that's a good thing. And I'd much rather have Carl Joseph go into the game in a pinch or, or when Jonathan Abram's not playing well than have some guy that's really a glorified special teamer behind him. 
I mean, that's that's my thing. I'm not saying that he solves the Raiders' safety issues, and I thought that I was pretty specific about that on Monday's show, but uh, by the feedback that I was receiving, especially on Twitter, got a bunch of direct messages like, Q, uh, Carl Joseph ain't very good. I even had one person hit me up, and I, I appreciate the confidence in me saying, Q, you can go out there and provide some competition. Actually, I can't. <laughs> I would like to think that I could, but I can't. So I do appreciate the confidence, but uh, I am not that dude. I, I cannot do that. I At one time in my life thought I was going to be a defensive back. I thought I was going to be like the second coming of Deion Sanders, and that didn't last very long. <laughs> that didn't last very long at all. I realized that that was not in the bag for me. So, uh, hey, as much as uh, I, I enjoyed playing the position, as much as uh, I, I enjoyed the, the secondary, the, the cornerback position, that was not in the bag for your boy. It just wasn't. So, either way, getting back to Carl Joseph, uh, I, I'd rather have him there at that position. And, again, if he gets into training camp and he pushes Jonathan Abram and it helps make Jonathan Abram a better player, you don't think Abram knows that he was a former first-round draft pick? He knows that he was a, a Raider before, and he knows that uh, a lot of Raider Nation really, really loves and respects Carl Joseph. So I think that he realizes that, hey, I got a real deal dude that's behind me. I think adding competition to every position is great. So what if he gets through training camp, pushes the hell out of Jonathan Abram, all of a sudden Abram's playing at a high level, and oh, by the way, they went and dipped into the draft and got a couple young dudes, and now they say, well, you know, we really don't need Carl Joseph. He might not even make the final 53 man, or he might, and like I said, provide some really, really good depth. Uh, you saw a lot of guys miss time. You saw Jonathan Abram. He's missed time both years that he's been in the league. So who's saying that he's going to be available for a full 16? He hasn't yet. This, this career, he hasn't yet. So what makes you think that he's going to all of a sudden be available for 16 games? So at least you have a guy, you have a, a dude that you could say probably is a backup at best, but he's a backup that you know has a little bit of skins on the wall and has a little bit of action in the league where he at least can figure it out and he can get out there and play. Again, is he going to solve all the problems? No, he's not. I mean, he's very much similar to Jonathan Abram. He's a guy who's going to be a, a box safety. He's going to come up, and uh, he, he'd rather play closer to the line of scrimmage. He'd rather thump some people than go out there and play center field. I get that. The Raiders have to address the free safety position. I think that's going to happen sometime in the draft. I think they're going to get a young dude either in the first round or the second round. Maybe they go get a Trayvon Merrick that I was talking about earlier. Maybe they go get a Richie Grant. Maybe they go get a Javon Holland. I mean, there's a lot of different options. I know a lot of folks are high on Andre Cisco. I don't know. There's a lot of different dudes that they can go out there and address the safety position with. It doesn't have to be just some stud you know, some stud uh, veteran that, that everyone wants out there. And I know Earl Thomas has been mentioned. I've even mentioned Earl Thomas. I just don't think it's in the bag. I think if Earl Thomas was going to be brought to the squad, I think he'd already be there. You know, I really do. Who knows what's going to happen with Richard Sherman? Maybe he'll end up signing with the, a team or the, the Raiders after the draft. That's kind of what he's been hinting at, that that's what he's going to do is sign after the draft. Maybe they bring in a veteran to play that corner position after the draft, but I don't know. You know, I would think that Richard Sherman would have already signed, but here we are uh, mid-April and he hasn't signed yet. So, I mean, that's still kind of up in the air. But again, I wouldn't look too far into the signing of Carl Joseph. Like they say, they signed him all of a sudden to save the, the, the safety position. Like all of a sudden, oh, okay, everything is fixed because we know that that's far from it. Uh, you know, I don't think his first year in the league, he was very healthy, you know, coming off of ACL, probably should have been drafted in the second round and not the first round or later in the first round and probably wouldn't have been drafted by the Raiders, but they went and took a chance on him in the first round. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, he played decent at times and other times it's like, man, what are you doing? But also there's questions about was he being played and used correctly? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different reasons why you could say that a dude didn't play up to the his his maximum potential. And the other part of this Carl Joseph signing that I like is 
I'm assuming, and of course I'm just assuming, I don't know for 100% fact, but I'm assuming that Gus Bradley signed off on it. And if Gus Bradley is the defensive coordinator and knows how he wants his players to play and knows exactly what he's looking for in his players, then I'm okay with that. You know, I've, Bill Parcells said it many times. He said it back in the day when he was uh, with the Cowboys. And, and I've said it many times on the podcast, you know, don't, don't expect me to cook the dinner if I can't, you know, pick the groceries. So Gus Bradley is there with John Gruden and Mike Mayock helping pick the groceries in attempt to cook the good dinner. You know, and I think that that's only fair. If Gus Bradley knows what he wants out of his players and knows what he's looking for in his players, and he says, yeah, Carl Joseph would be a good depth piece, I'm cool with that. I'm really, really cool with that. I mean, who was the guy last year? Dallin Levitt? Was that the guy that they ended up going to? Like I said, a glorified special teamer, and they ended up having to go to him because, well, they just were out of bodies. They were running out of bodies. They were moving guys around. You know, there's people talking about Isaiah Johnson being put back at the safety position. Uh, There was times that Nevin Lawson was being put back at the safety position. Uh, Let's see, they brought back Daryl Worley and put him at the safety position. I mean, I'd rather have Carl Joseph over any of those dudes I just mentioned. Isaiah Johnson, he might have an opportunity to be a corner, but he's still got to prove himself as a corner before he can slide and switch over to safety. You know, he's still got an uphill battle just trying to be a corner. You know, that's another guy whose training camp's going to be big for. Isaiah Johnson, what are they going to get out of him? But he was a fourth-round pick out of Houston, you know, and he was a former wide receiver. He wasn't even a corner uh, for a long time. So, I mean, he's still kind of new, kind of a new booty to the game uh, as far as a cornerback goes. So, I mean, he's still learning. But He's got the size. He's got the size of a guy that you would see in a, in a Gus Bradley defense on, on the corner position, you know, like the guys in the, in the Legion of Boom. So who, who knows? Again, it's just April, and it's just a guy signed to the 90-man roster, not the 53-man roster. Once they really get down to the nitty-gritty, once training camp happens and the 53-man roster is rolled out, then you could say, okay, where's this guy at? Where is he listed at? Where is he at on the depth chart? Oh, he's a starter? Okay, well, now let's really break this down. But right now, you bring in a veteran that has been with your team before, knows some of the guys in the locker room, is going to understand what the, the coaching staff is going to want him to do, has already talked to the defensive coordinator, obviously has a history with the head coach. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to get upset about that. Now, I mean, if they brought back Reggie Nelson, then I'd be up in arms like, what in the world? <laughs> you know, that would that would bother me. But I mean, I'm 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 fine, man. Carl Joseph in April is just fine. And especially, like I said, I don't think he's going to be a starter at all. But I do think he's going to push the hell out of Jonathan Abram. And I think that Abram needs a guy behind him that he feels like maybe, maybe, just maybe can sit him on the sideline, push him to the sideline if he's not out there playing his best ball. So let's just, you know, not overreact one way or the other, like get super hyped about it. Cause I've seen people on one side of it was like, Oh my God, Carl Joseph is back. Let's go. You know, he's going to be the dude where, Hey man, slow your roll on that too. I don't see that either. I just see him as a depth piece, a guy that they're signing to compete for a position on the team. Like he said in his own words, roles have changed. They're not the same as what they were. He's no longer a first-round draft pick. Now he's a free agent coming in at the really at the end of free agency, most likely on a one-year deal. So just kind of take that into consideration when you analyze some of these guys that the Raiders bring in between now and the beginning of training camp. You know, and obviously the draft is going to be interesting as well. Some guys may be signed during the draft or, or drafted and then even signed as undrafted free agents that all of a sudden push other guys out. So uh, there's still a lot of, of ways to go as this uh, roster building is being done and constructed. So uh, don't, like I said, don't overreact one way or the other to Carl Joseph and the signing of him. Coming up in segment number three, calls and texts straight up the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. What's on your mind? We'll find out next. Before we get into that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. 
They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. What do you got to do? Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and trust me, they've got everything. Engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, carpet. Yeah, they got carpet. You need carpet? Not for your house, dummy. For your car. Yeah, they got it. Doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. You got everything you need at one spot. That's rockauto.com. Few easy clicks away and it's delivered directly to your door. Rockauto.com catalog is super easy to get through and navigate. All you got to see is all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. That's right. The prices at rockauto.com are super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? All you got to do right now. Go to rockauto.com. Check out the parts available for your car or truck. While you're there, there's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? You just write Locked On Raiders Podcast, and then boom, they know I sent you. Amazing selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all from one spot. That's rockauto.com. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of them, so I'm just going to jump right into it right away. Harper, he's calling out of Colorado. He's calling to talk about a few things, including who won the Built Bar Challenge, my pick on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, and then shares his thoughts on the draft in general. Here he is, Harper, calling from Colorado. Hey, what up, Q? Uh, This is uh, Harper in Colorado. Uh, first time caller, uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, um, I need closure. I need to know who won the Built Bar, uh, championship. I think many of us do. So who won? Uh, who, who won that championship? We, we listen to you week after week, every, not even week, episode after episode, day after day. So, uh, please let us know who won that. Uh, second thing. All right. <laughs> you know, sometimes in life, God gives us, uh, failures. Um, so that we can learn and grow from them and so that we can also develop the wonderful trait of, like, added humility. And you're already a truly humble dude. But um, you got to stop saying that your, your your pick wasn't a bad pick uh, in the, uh, the locked-on challenge. It was a bad pick. When Mark when Micah Parsons is, is on the board and you pick anyone else, you made a bad pick. Um, so I think this is one of those where you say, hi, everybody, my name is Q. And I made a bad pick. Um, and then next time the Raiders make a bad pick, I think that'll be in the back of your mind that, hey, this uh it's pretty easy to make a bad pick in this. So there you go. Um, my thoughts on the draft, um, it, it is tackle rich. It is tackle rich. We, we have no business even looking at a tackle in the first round. We have second round. We got to go best player available. But – um, I, I do several mock drafts a day on the various platforms, and um, there's going to be talent in the third round. I mean, rich, rich talent uh, at offensive tackle in the second round and in the third round. So we got to go. We got to go defense. Um, my my dream draft has us getting uh, Micah Parsons in the first, Holland at safety in the second, um, and then getting a, a tackle like Eisenberg or Mayfield. Um, uh, in the third. So, um, love the show. Um, I think you're awesome. I had to bust your chops a little. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. My, Micah Parsons, uh, in that scenario, a hundred out of a hundred times is the right pick. Uh, God bless you. Have a great day. 
There he goes. That's Harper in Colorado. And thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. As far as the Bill Bar Challenge goes, uh, Coconut Brownie, they won. Uh, as far as my pick, I don't think you can say Darisaw was a bad pick. It just probably wasn't the best pick. Christian Darisaw at number 17, I mean, he's still an off, awesome offensive tackle. He didn't give up any sacks in 2020 from the left tackle position at Virginia Tech. And I do realize he's got his slide over to the right side. But still, I don't think it was a bad pick. I just think it could have been a better pick. You know what I mean? That, that was my biggest thing. It was probably a safe pick. Uh, you know, but if the Raiders went with a Parsons pick, that would be great. I probably should have done that. I didn't. It would have been aggressive, a little risky, but potentially could have been a great pick. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. I don't think that it was a bad pick. I mean, I, I, I can understand where you're coming from as far as just, you know, not a, an aggressive pick, especially when you have a, a, a tackle class as deep as this one is. But I think Darisol is probably the best tackle on the board at 17. So that's why I kind of went with it. Just go with the best offensive tackle at that position. That's what I did. But either way you look at it, uh, I think Darius Hall's going to be a really good player. So I definitely appreciate you. And yeah, Coconut Brownie won that Built Bar Challenge. So uh, that is not one that I've had a flavor of. I've never had that flavor, but I've had so many other ones. So maybe that's one you could check out, taste it, and let me know exactly how it is. Next up is a text from Nick in Orange County. Hey, Q. Great podcast, bro. I think I've been listening for over two years now since we were all avoiding the P word, LOL. I got to tell you, although I've been a Raider fan since our first Super Bowl and fly or drive up to Oakland or San Diego to watch games every year, a couple times a year, I've watched every game on TV or in person since Carr was a quarterback, etc. I've never paid this close of attention during off seasons as I am now with your podcast. But seriously, your show is clearly the best, and I hope you get that gig you're looking for. Here are some stupid questions or comments. I apologize in advance. One, was Reggie McKenzie a better GM than Mayock? Two, can you teach your boy Vinny Bonsignor and others on how to use a mic and sound systems? They keep fading in and out, especially some of the locked-on guys, such as the Ohio State guy. Are they running a professional show? LOL. Three, I've always been in the middle about Carr, and sometimes I love the guy, sometimes I hate him, especially when he throws the ball away on fourth and two with the game on the line. But the biggest issue is he's a choir boy. He needs to come out of his shell and start hating. Not in the real world, but on the field. I think he's got it in him and can take us to a Super Bowl, but it will take several years. Are we willing to wait? Thanks for your time, Q and Raider Nation, and please excuse the typos. Got to get ready for work. Just win, baby. That's from Nick in Orange County, and thank you so much for the compliments on the podcast, man. I definitely appreciate it, and you rocking with me as long as you have. Uh, I'll say, man, as far as Carr goes, I'll say I don't think that he's going to change who he is. Certain guys are just who they are. He's definitely a choir boy. He's not going to come out and be a car thief. He's not going to change his uh, his role like that. I would like to see him get a little bit more fired up, but you can't make everybody be that way. You know, there's certain guys that are fired up naturally, and, and that's what it is. Other guys, now if he were to come out and do that and all of a sudden be fired up and, and have a little edge to him, I think the guys on the team would think it's fake, and they wouldn't respect it anyway. So I, I don't think you could really you can win. You just got to know that, you know, car is who he is. Uh, as far as was Reggie McKenzie a better GM than Mayock, I think the jury is still out on that. And, you know, I think Reggie McKenzie was in a bad position. Reggie McKenzie took the job and tore the team down and put them, got their, their financials right. You know, he was able to, to get the, the money right and, and the situation there where there was a lot of bad contracts. So the team was really bad for a couple years because he was in the middle of tearing everything down. Dennis Allen was a sacrificial lamb as the head coach while he was doing that. Then he got a bunch of money, got some salary cap spot, got some, uh, some draft picks, and you know, he didn't do the best with it. Of course, he had the one draft that was really good where he got Khalil Mack and he got uh, he got Derek Carr, obviously, in the second round, got Gabe Jackson in the third round. I mean, he was cooking with grease. Remember, he was the GM of the year. So he does have that under his belt. Mayock, I don't think he's been around long enough. And then on top of that, as we all know, it's Mayock, the GM, in title, but we also know that John Gruden is the guy. 
So it's kind of hard to really judge everything and base everything on Mayock because it's just, it's not all just Mayock, you know, like Reggie McKenzie, even when John Gruden came back and Reggie McKenzie was still in the GM title and in air quotes, I say that, well, you know that John Gruden was the one calling the shots and him and Reggie never really worked well together, even though they tried to say that they were going to work really well together. It just never shook out like that. So uh, I don't think that you could really uh, call either one of them a better GM at this point. I think it's only going to take some time. It's going to take some time to be able to tell who the better GM is. I would lean towards Mayock, but I think that Mayock will probably be around longer than Reggie McKenzie. But then again, if they don't hit on this draft, at some point Mayock may be the sacrificial lamb because you know Gruden's not going to get the blame for anything that goes wrong with the team until until he's the last man standing. So that's what I got for that. Thank you for that text. I appreciate you. Uh, and I got time for one more call, and I'm not sure the name. I just know he's calling out of Houston, Texas. He's calling to talk about the Carl Joseph signing and why he likes it. Here it is. Call out of Houston. Yo, what up, Q? This is uh, Big Drew calling out of Houston. And I uh, got a little bit of a lot to say about the Carl Joseph signing and why I like it so much. Um just want to start off by saying the reason. Well, going with Gus Bradley, I'm super high on us bringing in Gus Bradley because he has an act for taking these young DBs and turning them into stars. And that's all we have on our team is young DBs with a bunch of potential. So that's really what I'm excited about. And also, he does a pretty good job at putting players in the right position to succeed. And that's something that we felt in the past. Um, so I think he's going to put Carl Joseph in the right position and do better than what we had in the past with him. Also, I think that eliminates us from drafting a safety in the first round. And I, I like some safeties that aren't being talked about that I think are going to go in the later rounds. You know, that kid out of Oregon, he's stud. If we can get him later, great. Uh, Paris Ford out of Pitt, I don't know why anybody's not talking about him. He's, he's a dope safety, too. Uh, hopefully we can get him later on. So that's another reason why I'm high on Carl Joseph signing is because I think we go elsewhere in the first round. And now I'm hearing about these red flags about Parsons. And if it's possible that we can get him, man, I'm stoked about that one for sure. Uh, Uso Koromora, I really like him, but there's a bit of a talent drop off between him and Parsons, if you ask me. Anyway, so I want to know what your thoughts are on what we do as far as drafting a safety goes uh now if and when when do we pick one up uh love the show as always Raider nation just win baby so there it is and he definitely said big drew calling out of houston i don't know why it was so difficult for me to hear the first time he definitely said big drew so thank you for that call drew appreciate you and uh carl joseph allows the raiders to go in many different directions with their first round pick again he adds depth that's something that i talked about quite a bit in uh segment number two um, and, and Drew likes Javon Holland, safety from Oregon in the later round. That would be a good pick. You know, I, I think that that would be a really good pick, especially because he's a ball hawk. Guy had nine interceptions in two seasons in college. That means that he's used to creating turnovers, something that the Raiders desperately need. Michael Parsons, he likes him at 17. And, you know, what's my thoughts on, the, on when the Raiders select a safety? Uh, again, I'd probably say address that in round two. Uh, I mean, they could go in round one. They could go with a Trayvon Merrick uh, out of TCU. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, if they trade back, I could see them going with Merrick. I can't see them getting them at 17. I think that's a little high for them. 
But then again, the Raiders have proven if that's their guy, they'll just go get their guy. They might try to trade back, but if there's no trade partners, they'll just go get their guy. Personally, my gut feeling tells me they either go offensive tackle at 17 or if a big-time playmaker falls to them, like, like Micah Parsons that you mentioned. That would be my best thought on what the Raiders do at 17. You know what? I got time for one more text. I'll give you a quick one real quick from Matt in the 916, Sacramento, California. It says, hey, Q, it's Matt from the 916. Just wanted to share my pro football focus mock draft. I was able to trade back and still get a Wusu Koromoa. Was excited about getting Mills as well. I feel like it's the perfect time for Gruden to groom a later round pick and see what happens. Thanks. Hope all is well and prayers for Obi-Wan Raider. Peace. So here we go. This is his draft real quickly. Uh, the Raiders traded pick 17 and 200 to the Pittsburgh Steelers and received pick number 24 and 55. And then they got a round three pick in 2022 and a round four pick in 2022. So for that, they got an A minus. Then with the 24th pick, he gets Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame, gets a B minus for that pick. At 48, goes back to Notre Dame, gets Liam Eichenberg, tackle, C plus for that one. At 55, gets the safety that we've talked about, Javon Holland, C+. Uh, then at 79, Jamar Johnson, safety out of Indiana, C+. And I'll say with Javon Holland, they labeled him as a cornerback, but I do believe he plays safety. 80, Davis Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford. That's what he was talking about, John Gruden, uh, you know, grooming a young guy. C+, for that one. 121, Tay Gowen, quarterback UCF, C+. So right now he's got a lot of Cs, a B, and an A-. And then at uh, 162, Tommy Tremble, tight end out of Notre Dame, back to Notre Dame, B+. And then at 167, Deontay Smith, the tackle from East Carolina, a B+. Overall grade that, that he got for doing the Raiders pick uh, picks was a B+. So, uh, again, that's from Matt in the 916. And the Raiders went Clemson heavy. Uh, in the draft, and now they're going Notre Dame heavy if you go by uh, Matt's draft. And uh, not bad. I mean, there's some playmakers there. And, what I, you know, Awusu Koromo, obviously. Eichenberg fills the need. Holland fills the need and, and could be a big-time player. Uh, Johnson is a, is, a, is a damn good player out of Indiana. Mills is a guy that a lot of Raider Nation's intrigued by. Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford. Uh, and then, you know, Tommy Tremble, I know he's a heck of a tight end. Uh, going, I don't know a whole lot about him out of UCF. And then Deontay Smith, the tackle out of East Carolina, provides some more depth. So, uh, yeah, uh, good stuff right there, man. Definitely good stuff. Appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I got a ton more texts and calls that I still got to get to. We'll do some more of that on tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll probably hear from, we'll probably hear my interview that I do with uh, Vinny Bonsignor from uh, Raider Nation Radio 920, or maybe you'll hear the conversation I do with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Who knows? I'll do both of those tomorrow. I'll be on both shows tomorrow. One will be early and one will be a little bit later. Uh, so that'll probably come up on the show. And then obviously more news and notes of the day. Uh, try to get some more draft talk in and maybe some more uh, player breakdown from certain guys that cover certain dudes uh, across college football. So a lot of stuff coming up for the rest of the week, man. Very excited about that. And don't forget on Friday, Marquette King former Raider punter. I've already had the conversation, had it Monday evening. You'll hear that on Friday's show here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Until then, Raider Nation, stay safe. Uh, continue to uh, do the best you can as far as washing your hands and wearing your mask and social distance. Uh, if you got, got an opportunity to go get the vaccine, do what you got to do. Make it happen. Again, just be safe for you and everyone around you. And uh, most importantly, as always, just win, baby.